You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode will be talking about Stevie Wonder, Talking Book, in the room I have Ben and Adam. Mm -hmm. Talking Book is the 15th studio album by Stevie Wonder, released on October 28th, 1972, uh, on the Tamala label, and the producer was Stevie Wonder and Robert McGuliff and Malcolm uh, Cecil. The genre is soul, funk, rock, and jazz. And from All Music Review, John Bush... After releasing two records during 1970-1971, Stevie Wonder expanded his compositional palette with the 1972 Talking Book to include social ills as well as tender love songs, and so recorded the first Smash album of his career. What had been hinted at on the intriguing project of Music of My Mind, here was focused into a laser beam of tight songwriting, warm electrical arrangements, and exuberant performances. In stark contrast to his earlier songs, which were clever but often relied on the Motown template of romantic metaphor, with Talking Book, it became clear Stevie Wonder was beginning to speak his mind and use personal history for material. The lyrics became less convoluted while the emotional power gained in intensity. Ironically, the biggest hit from Talking Book wasn't a love song at all. The funk landmark superstition urges empowerment instead of hopelessness, set in a grooving beat that made it one of the biggest hits of his career. It's followed by Big Brother, the first of his directly critical songs, criticizing politicians who posture to the underclass in order to gain the only thing they really need, votes. With Talking Books, Stevie also found a proper balance between making an album entirely by himself and benefiting from the talents of others. Like no other Stevie Wonder LP before it, Talking Book is all of a piece, the first unified statement of his career. It's certainly an exercise in indulgent but imitating life. It veers breathtakingly from love to heartbreak and back with barely a pause. All right, what do we think of Talking Book by Stevie Wonder? I had somehow missed Talking Book by Stevie Wonder up until up until very recently, up until this project. Re- this project, okay. Yeah. I had other Stevie Wonder albums of the era. So I've got Inner Visions. Yeah. I've got Songs in the Key of Life. Yep. And I like them both. There's also parts of both of them that, like, there's tracks I skip. Uh, it gets a little, little cheesy wonder. Okay. That's always been a challenge for me, too. Like, the stuff that hits for me, like, either hits because it's, like, cheesy in a way that I like... You know, where it's just, like, irresistible and fun or, mm-hmm. like, or so sweet that it's just like, oh, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I yeah. think album-wide, he's always been difficult for me. And I'd somehow missed this record, too, 
And again, like, yeah, I've got like a bunch of these on vinyl that I've, you know, had over the years. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I checked out when, when I started getting into like songs in the key of life, I was like, all right, let's go back. Let's figure out like where, where this came from. So yeah. I just went back and did like the, the thing where you just like, all right, let's start music in my mind, talking book, we'll just go through it. And so totally. I, I wish I'd yeah. gotten to talking book sooner. I, I've been listening to this. I'll, I'm going to keep on listening to it. I've been listening to it all week. Like even when I'm not like, Doing homework. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I really dig this album. And also, so you're the sunshine of my life up until again, like about this week, I thought that song was really cheesy and not a Stevie wonder song that I liked. I guess I'm old now because <laughs> I was like, same song, same song. I've heard on the radio dozens of times, but this time I was like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I think, <sighs> There's something weird about that sort of. Uh, you were kind of touching on it, like the candy, like the sugariness of is his like. He just, I don't know how to describe it. It's like cotton candy. It's just like, ah, oh, it's just like a little too. It's a little too poppy. It's a little too something. It doesn't have that. I used to file it right with, or like, like, uh, like yeah, like put it right in the same pile as like I just called to say I love you. Right. Which I still think is a cheesy song, maybe because I was influenced by the movie High Fidelity, okay. but uh, because they they out it in in the film. But you are the sunshine of my life, though. It's nice. It's so nice. I think I think that's the thing about his like his pleasant songs have an earnestness that is attractive and very, uh, you know. I mean, like. I think it both deserves to be called out as like a little like, you know, ornate or something. Um, But they also are, they're pleasant and they, and like there's so much talent behind the vocals, the performances. You gotta, you gotta check in there too. Um, This song though, uh, Maybe Your Baby, I was listening to it and he gets down on this one line. He's like, (laughs) baby! (laughs) it's just like out of nowhere because he has that sweet soft voice usually and he just gets like really like back of the throat (laughs) it made me really happy because this song sounds like like parliament or like oh yeah yeah like you know like like this could be a prince song you know like Mm -hmm. yeah uh, absolutely it gets funky especially when those like like Kind of robotic falsettos come in, like the chipmunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's falsetto. I think it's probably digital, or not digitally, but uh, is it like vocoded, or is it sped up tape? I think it, it must be like sped up tape. Yeah, yeah, that must be it. Because uh, I don't think they were doing a lot of like the the, the tuning of. You don't think the Tonto could do that? Yeah, <laughs> the Tonto. Yeah, can I we was, talk about the Tonto? Yeah, I was very. I was gonna say uh, before we do that. They employed unusual production technique using multiple layers of instruments such as the clavinet, Fender Rhodes, electric pianos, the ARP, in uh, uh, Moog synthesizers in place of string or uh, orchestras used in you know traditional like Motown. So he's basically proving that you don't need the string arrangements. He can do everything with the keyboards and present you know a new interesting way. Mm-hmm. But let's hear, I want to hear more about this <laughs> Tonto. So the Tonto, I'm going to pull up a picture of it for you guys. Yeah. Uh, the Tonto is a synthesizer 
One second. I'm trying to find which uh, which song it's it's most obvious on. So it was built by. Here you go, Adam. That, oh that whole thing. God, it looks like a whole casino. It, it does look uh-huh. like a casino. So the Tonto, it was built by the the, the producers of this album, uh, uh, Malcolm Cecil or Cecil and Robert Margulev. And they yeah. were in a band together called uh, Tonto's Exploding Headband. Wow. <laughs> and it's all synth. Uh, and Stevie Wonder got his hands on the copy and showed up at their door. And he's like, like, let's party. (laughs) So the Tonto synthesizer, it is basically it's a it's a semicircle of like curved cabinets that all contain uh, like synthesizer modular uh, pieces. It's uh, the the diameter of it is 20 feet and it's six feet tall. Oh, my God. It is the world's largest multi-timbral polyphonic analog synthesizer. It's also the first and only or not only anymore, but it's the first and it's still the largest. Uh, It started out uh, as two Moog Modular Synth Series 3s, four uh, Abraham SEMs, two ARP 2600s. And then just tons of custom stuff because both uh, Margulef and Cecil have uh, electrical engineering backgrounds. Of course they do. <laughs> and so uh, the the multi-timbral part of it, according to Malcolm Cecil, what how he defines multi-timbral, he wants it to be so each note he plays can have a different tone quality as if from a separate instrument, as just, as opposed to just like pulling a string patch on and and your hands are playing a string section. Uh, he says that, uh, uh, yeah, different tone qualities are from separate instruments. He wants to be able to play this thing live, uh, like as an orchestra, uh, uh, using as many fingers and feet as he chooses. It's like he can have that many different instruments going. Yeah. Tonto stands for the original new timbral orchestra. Ah, nice. guide uh description of this record i think they use the word indulgent yeah and i would say that earlier we're talking about sort of like reservations that we had about uh stevie wonder records in general and like indulgent is a great descriptor because it, it goes every way you know you can describe it to have a song that's like really drawn out like uh, maybe your baby with that long ending or a song that's just like really sweet or maybe even a little saccharine or a song that's just like so over the top. But it also applies obviously to the production yeah. that they're working with. So it's kind of incredible though that with that thing at their hands that this didn't just get off the rails. Just didn't get, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, 
Yeah, I th- I had read too that he uh, switched on Bach. He had listened to Switched on Bach, and he oh, was yeah. like, he's like, I got it. Like, I'm that is something that I want to incorporate into the production. Uh, yeah, you can listen to the Tonto on You and I. It's got that sort of mm-hmm. e- ethereal, uh, sort of high uh, pitched uh oscillator the sort of like bending of the notes and everything it's cool i I think yeah you're right he is a bit restrained on on the synth he puts in just enough and going back to a point that you made adam about it there was one complaint that i had about it Uh, maybe not even a complaint it's just something i hadn't really thought about before uh listening to this again and that is like it's a bit perfect like perfect it's like the that steely dan element where you you it's like a take after take after take and those things are just can feel a bit mechanical i know he's playing like all those instruments uh but even you know knowing that and just trying to think about it i was like everything just is a bit like i don't know it it feels a little like chop choppy wooden and maybe that is just coming off of like the Will the circle be under? Yeah, yeah, some other, like, very loose um, You know, you touched on it. Uh, it, Ideas. If he's playing everything, everything's a separate take, it kind of almost has to be It has to almost be that that sort of, like, uh, yeah, very, very, nothing kind of overlaps or or has that. But don't get me wrong, Stevie Wonder's, like, a genius. (laughs) Like, there's no denying it. But, But there's a little bit... I feel like this one did loosen up a bit, though, because he does have other players within the room uh, to kind of alleviate that a bit. It's not so, uh, I don't know, what would you say, like, contrived? Yeah. yeah. I'll say this record, one of the things that really surprised me about is it's all over the place. I mean, like, You're the Sunshine of My Life is just like sort of a little head bopper, gentle, like, morning jam. And then maybe your baby is just like so funky. And then track three, you and I is like a straight bit ballad. Like it's like, like almost Broadway, like in a sort of like big presentation. Then you get uh, superstition, which is just out of this world. Good. Like what a cool song. Um, And there's a song later on the album and I'm blanking which one it is. Might be blame it on the sun. I can't remember. There's a song later has listened to it, I was like, this is a Sticks song. It sounds oh, like, nice. it straight up sounds like Sticks. Yeah. And he even does, yeah. the the delivery that Sticks does is like, I don't know if they were like big fans or something. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. I it's, think everybody was a fan. He sold yeah. so many yeah, records. So uh, <laughs> it was one of the late songs. I wish I could remember now, but like, it's, he, it's bananas. Like, he's one of the. He's one of the best-selling artists of all time. 100 million records, 25 Grammy Awards. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, and the second uh, Afri- African-American musician to win an Academy Award after uh, Isaac Hayes was Shaft. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, for the 1984 film, do you know it? 1984 did- film Stevie Wonder music? Yeah, I didn't know it. I don't know. It's The Woman in Red. Oh, uh, huh. I don't recall but, it. Yeah. Uh, this week, I learned that Jeff Beck came up with the drum part for Superstition. <laughs> nice. I love that. So they were both in the room. They're jamming. Jeff Beck started playing that drum part, and apparently Stevie Wonder just wrote that that clav lick, just like, 
on the spot. It, it, yeah, just like came out of his fingers. Uh, so they both have wow. writing credits on it. Uh, Jeff Beck also recorded a version of it. He recorded his first, but Stevie Wonder's came out first. I checked out the Jeff Beck version of it. It's tight. Oh, it, he yeah. does it as like a like a rock song, and it works in my opinion. I prefer the Stevie Wonder version, but it's a it's a cool, heavy rockin' superstition. I feel like that is the song for the clav. Right. You know I mean, like if you were to like, like if a clavichord came on uh, like up on a keyboard roulette, you, you'd immediately just as a piano player be like, "Well, gotta do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's the. <laughs> chopsticks it's chopsticks for the it's piano just, it's the uh, I can't think stairway of, to heaven for yeah, the guitar yeah, yeah I just can't yeah. think of a, a song that like is more famous for that sound yeah yeah uh, I, yeah I had read Tom, Tom Moon said what you're hearing is someone who is interacting with an instrument and figuring it out to make it sound like him no one else plays the clavinet like Stevie Wonder does and he made it speak it's true it's yeah. it's just just happens. I was getting funky in this song. <laughs> That's the baby I was thinking of. Yeah. It was a different song. Yeah. Baby, baby. I just like so. I love. I just love the variety. Like he's so all over the place vocally yeah. on the record. Like he's still kind of figuring it out. He's only twenty two at this. Uh, Wait for real. Yeah, fifteen albums by twenty two. What? Yeah. Motown cranks him out. I was wondering how old he was, but God. <laughs> yeah, he he. Wanted to Stevie he, Wonder. He didn't want to. Um, I mean, he didn't want to do that Barry Gordon formula. He was like, "I'm, I'm kind of done with Motown. Like, let's, let's, I'm see, let's see, see what else I've I seen can do." All that it has to offer. He was a he was a kid, you know, when I he know, started doing uh, albums. Yeah, little Stevie. That's who he was. This one brought him in. Like a lot of people say, this is like him, you know, becoming a man essentially, or or striking out on his own. What's music of my mind like? Uh, it's. It's similar to this, yeah. but not quite as ambitious. This is ambitious. Well, yeah. I, I can't say it's not ambitious because it's like all him just in the studio. This one definitely feels more uh, engaging. It feels more thought through. That one that one feels like a, sort of a, a Someone who has genius ideas but hasn't quite put those puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. So you get those glimpses as to what will what will come. It's still a good album. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's hard to beat Stevie Wonder. <laughs> That's the funny thing. There's a lot of talent going on. Yeah. You know that the, the first pressing of Talking Book had a Braille text embossed on it? It's awesome. It said, uh, it said Stevie Wonder talking book, and then below it said, uh, here's my music, is all I have to tell you how I feel. Know that your love keeps me, keeps my love strong, Stevie. Thanks, Stevie. Thank you, Stevie. Nice?
beat is so simple and so funky. It's all the hi-hat. Like, all the funks on the hi-hat. So good. And then the the pillow pickup at the end of the fourth measure. That's good. This song is just so cool. And the lyrics are cool, too. That's the other thing. I think this is one of those songs where you're like, oh, you managed to take a riff and, like, come up with a cool song around like I, i'm gonna talk about this later when we do uh steven stills um certain songs you can really tell when they started with a riff um and it, it's usually stuff that i find that i'm not as interested in mm-hmm. um but this is a song that obviously started with a riff and then he wrote a great song around it and i think that's that can be such an achievement mm-hmm. and uh to be able to like transmute really just one phrase into a finished, you know, four minute piece of art. And it's just like, every time I see somebody at the horn section on yeah. this song, yeah. like, hold up. The <laughs> horns on this song are so cool. There's nothing that happens in this song that isn't like peak awesomeness. It's the arrangement is so good. And it, it goes, the verses go back down, let you just focus on the beat and the, and the clav. And then those crazy stabs and arrangements with the horns just yeah. keep adding so much energy. Yeah. I, I just think it's this song is, is to me the the peak of his career. And it's like it's it's just undeniably cool 50 years later. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna add too the uh, I had written some notes that those horns, I'm so glad he didn't try to do some sort of Synth? Uh, synth horns Agreed. or something like that. He brings in the real horns. He could have. He, he had the toys. Absolutely could have put a Tonto <laughs> horn section in there. I would love to actually hear it uh, if there's like a B-side or yeah, something. Yeah, they tried it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, let's try it out. Nah. I just, I don't know. I just love this song. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, oh, I did ahead. think it was interesting too, listening to some of those love songs, because I think that his chord selection is is a bit different than the the super sappy. Yeah. It it does bring He's in jazzing it up. Yeah, he does bring a, a bit of like jazz elements in there just to like kind of uh, make it make it different than the Yeah, I mean it doesn't sound like song. like air supply or something. You right. know, it sounds it sounds like Stevie Wonder, but it's just I I just think it for I'm so surprised that he's so young when he was making the music because okay. um for me like when I was younger, I was like, you know, I would pick and choose the songs that I liked, but it was never those ballad ones. And now I think they're like, okay, I, I, I get this. This is cool. Like, I can yeah. see putting this on. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I can't imagine being 22 and being like, I'm, I'm doing ballads. Like, But at the same time, I mean, he, yeah, he just, grew up. He's Motown. I think he just like, he, he, he was yeah. doing everything. Is, yeah. is, I mean, this album is a testament to the fact that he was doing everything. Yeah, we didn't even mention his sort of like breakup <laughs> and then like finding a new love and sort of like that all coming together with, uh, with this album. Hmm. I don't know so, that backstory. Yeah. I also know that you're not sitting there shit talking air supply. <laughs> no, I love air supply. Air supply is like the last band I thought that I would be into, but like, it's just so over the top. How am I supposed to not like it? It's a slippery slope. <laughs> it's those first, like we, back in the day, we when started we those ironically first ones, it was ironic. And, and before like, we knew it, it was very sincere. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a fond memory of 
uh, painting our house and having this like dark moment where we had been like working on restoring our house for like four months and just like all day, every day. And there's this one night where Sarah put on air supply and we painted opposite rooms and sang along from different <laughs> rooms for like two hours. And it pushed us through like painting until like 11 p.m. That's awesome. It was like we were so close to being done. And it was like we needed <laughs> something to, to get us up and going. And so like I, I think that like that's the thing about cheesy music. And one of the reasons that I don't if, if my old instinct was that something was a little cheesy, I started to realize the context and the moment for those things. And I think that's why I enjoyed this record more uh, later uh, mm-hmm. than than when I would listen to Stevie as like a teenager. Yeah, it it definitely is a even though he's so young, I feel like it it takes a minute to realize that yeah, like the context. I, I would say the context of it, especially because you hear people replicate this stuff all the time, and a lot of times you're not even thinking about those sort of like funky horns in the back and that sort of like the soul. Sure element of it you're just kind of hearing his smooth warm voice over over top it yeah mm-hmm. what do we think are we all positive on this yeah. one yeah i yeah. think so for sure okay i didn't think i would be i thought i would be like mediocre leaning positive but it's like stevie wonder like you can't you can't knock the skill yeah I, there were a couple missteps on the album I will say that I was just like ah, like looking for another pure love I was a little like yeah that one's got uh your boy Jeff Beck on guitar yeah that's not a very good solo either. I also wrote not as into this one so I must have had the same yeah <laughs> that solo it's very strange because I mean I know I know Jeff Beck and the solo was it, it seems like a it's not just not that great of a solo. <laughs> and he even he even says something like he's like, take it, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't give him that. <laughs> you, you got him nervous. <laughs> Jeffrey was nervous. Now I know what you're thinking. So whatever happened to the Tonto synthesizer? Yeah. Uh well I'll tell you, in it it stayed with the owner for a while. Uh and then in the nineties, uh it moved to uh Devo and Mark Mothersbaugh's headquarters, uh, Mutato Musica in West Hollywood. Uh, I had I looked up a picture of Mut- uh, Mutato Musica. Does it look like a spaceship? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. So he bought an old building from like, well, an old building. It's from like 67. But it's, so you, you know, uh, it, like the stadium in Inglewood that they call the Forum that looks like a big Roman Coliseum. Mm-hmm. This looks like a mini The Forum. So it's circular and it's just surrounded by columns. And he painted it like Nickelodeon slime green, the whole thing. And that's where Devo rehearses for tours and it's where they record albums. It's also where Mark Mothersbaugh does all of his like score oh, wow. recording. Like he does all like the Wes Anderson stuff so there. Many like things. Rugrats. And <laughs> uh, the the Tonto is no longer there. It, uh, Rumblefish. But, but from from like the early '90s until I think somewhere in the mid 2000s, that's where Tonto lived at the disposal of Mark Mothersbaugh. He never bought it, so I don't know the details mm. of it. But it was just there. Uh, in 2013, it moved to the uh, National Museum, uh, National Music Center in Calgary where they did a uh, years-long renovation on it, like cleaned all the pots, like 
full full renovation and it's now a uh, fully operational fully functional as part of like a living exhibit and it's still at the museum awesome yeah i love that goodbye tonto <laughs> still there you can still use it next album oh. here we go yeah, just go up to calgary Tonto. Sounds like a lot of work. Are you having to ship it to you? There yeah. you go. <laughs> Let's freight like for that. Someone call it UPS. All right, next time we'll be talking about Stephen Stills, Manassas. All right, thanks, y'all.